0: Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports. Ryan Drury here. I'll be joined as always by Steve Sabrin and Clarkie throughout the show. Lots of great special guests this week. We'll chat with our resident Leafs nut, Dart Guy, your friendly neighborhood. Dart Guy will join us for immediate reaction following Leafs and Montreal game one. Lots to break down there, of course, for Leafs nation and Habs nation as well. Plenty of Habs fans here in Ontario. We're not forgetting about you guys. Then we'll chat with softball Canada men, national team core player, Tyler Pauli of course, a former Mitchell Hawk as well. We'll chat with Tyler about some of the challenges the pandemic has brought upon his sport and what he's looking forward to in terms of competing maybe this year, maybe into next year. And of course, we'll chat with our wagering expert, Pat Gregoire from CoolBet on some hot bets to make this weekend. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports. Brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. As uh, we bring you immediate reaction following Game One of the Leafs and Montreal Canadiens. But uh, uh, Ryan Drury here, Steve Sabron, Clarky, and uh, your friendly neighborhood Dark Guy. But uh, unfortunately, guys, um, uh, obviously we're going to talk about the two-one loss, but uh, by the Maple Leafs, but. Um, All of that feels pretty irrelevant right now based on what happened to Leafs captain John Tavares early in the contest. Um, If you missed it, uh, Tavares was tangled up with another Montreal player, fell and Corey Perry, who was skating toward him, uh, tried to jump over him, uh, hit Tavares in the head with his knee. And uh, knocked Tavares out cold for a minute, and and he could not get up under his own power. They had to stretcher him off the ice. Uh, did hear immediately after the game that Leafs coach Sheldon Keefe said he was coherent and awake in the hospital, uh, and they uh, they are keeping him overnight, and uh, he will probably remain there for a little while. Um, but yeah, uh, dark guy. I guess we'll start with you. Um, I mean, we will, we'll start with the injury, I guess, as I try and collect my thoughts here, cause this just sucks. This is not what I wanted to talk about, um, on the show, but, uh, just your, your reaction to everything. And, uh, obviously people making a lot of noise about the fight afterwards as well.
1: Well, uh, you know, it's a tough, tough scenario watching your team captain, uh, Get injured like that right into you know the early early moments of Game One of the of the playoffs, Original Six. There was so much anticipation going into the game, so much energy surrounding it. Uh, Forty-two years since the the Habs and the Leafs met up in the playoffs, and you know then something like that happens. And while you know I it was completely accidental, um, I, I'll give it that. I, I have all the respect for Corey Perry in the world for. Uh, going over and, and giving uh, giving JT a little glove tap there and saying sorry as they were taking them off the ice. Uh, obviously, you know Corey was uh, a a little bit a little bit bothered by what happened. Um, but when it comes down to it, and 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 the noise about the fight, okay. Um, a lot of people on social media don't understand why that fight happened, and and they you know there was comments of it being bush league, and people saying they lost uh, respect for Nick Felino. I, I don't get it. Like to, to me, these are people who maybe never played the game of hockey, maybe don't understand the code. What what Corey, did Corey Perry have to fight? No, did Nick Felino want to fight him? If if you watch the post game interview, Nick Felino didn't want to fight him. But that was his captain that was just stretchered off the ice. That was his his team captain that was just out cold on the ice for an hour, for 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 an hour for 10, 10 minutes, whatever it was. Something had to have something had to happen. Nick said to Nick said to Corey Perry, "I get it was an accident, but you know we got to go." Corey Perry said, "Yeah, I get it," and they went. What Corey Perry did by accepting that fight was protect himself and protect his teammates from it escalating into something else. The fight happened, both teams moved on and they played the rest of the game. That's part of the code of hockey that maybe a lot of people don't understand that, that we're upset with the fight. But in the end, that fight had to happen, whether it happened right off the next faceoff off or, or it happened in the next period, that fight was going to happen. So in, in, instead of, instead of letting things escalate, maybe putting one of his young stars, teammates like Nick Suzuki at risk, he answered the bell, both teams moved on, and it was a clean game from there on. on. Um, that's why that fight happened. It's it's part of the game of hockey. And, and I don't have a problem with it. Uh, a lot of people do, but, that's just the way the game goes. If if that fight doesn't happen, maybe, maybe somebody takes a run at one of Montreal's players. Instead, they like like men, they agreed to a fight, they got it out of the way, and it was a non-issue after the fact. Um, why people are, are are freaking out about it, I don't know, but uh, I have no problem with it. Good on Nick for, for stepping up to the table and and Protecting his team captain, and good on Corey Perry for answering the bell and and doing the same and protecting his team.
2: Clarky, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it sucks, right? Like, here's uh, as Dark Guy said, like the first time in 42 years these two teams we've been waiting and we've been waiting for like it seems like for like two months for it to happen too, and for that to happen so early in the game. I mean, it's, it just seemed like the hockey gods were just jabbing the knife into the heart of the Leaf fans once again. And can they turn it around? Absolutely. But it definitely sets you back when you lose your captain. And then, like, the first reaction um, after when it came to shuffling the lines was to put uh, Joe Thornton on that line, which did not work whatsoever. Joe just could not keep up. Uh, speed-wise with the other guys on that line. But, I mean, I thought at the end of the day, William Nylander, after losing uh, his captain and his centerman, probably was the best leaf out of all the all the guys. Um, it, it, you know, you say ifs and nuts were candies and butts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. If, if Austin Matthews scores on the power play in the first period, which looked like their best power play since January, um, it could have been a different outcome. If Mitch Marner doesn't get robbed by Carey Price. And then they give up four, four breakaways. Like, how does that happen? How does the team get four breakaways and two of them go in? You can't blame Jack Campbell whatsoever, but it's just, it was demoralizing and you could just see it deflated the team. Like it really did. And like, that's tough. Like when John was, I don't think John was, uh, I don't think that, I think the trainer, I don't know exactly what happened, but to me, it looked like the trainer was trying to keep him still. And he was trying to get up and then it looked like he was like, just totally out there It looked like blood was coming from his eyes at one point, which was scary too, but let's hope he's okay. He gave the thumbs up. Let's hope there's nothing wrong. Um, uh, and he can come back. Like it's, it's, you know, I'm just thankful he, he put his hand up and he could move and everything was okay. But if he could ever come back, that would be amazing. But I don't know. It's tough. It was tough.
0: It, it is tough. Steve, what were your thoughts on uh, what we saw there early on in the game?
3: Well, I think uh, Dart Guy and Clark, he touched on the injury enough. Um, there is no doubt that the Leafs' attention to detail uh, definitely suffered um, after that incident. Um, and, you know, moving on, the team's going to have to be looking at how they play. I mean, they take, uh, what, three delay of game penalties? Yeah. Putting the puck over the glass? I mean... I thought
2: the first one was cheap though, but I guess, I don't
3: know
0: if that's yeah, the, rule the, defle- or not, the deflection. Yeah. Unfortunately, I call is the that. Rule, but I don't know. Uh, I think that's a silly part of the rule. Well,
2: but, uh, yeah. and, and sorry to interrupt you. See, but like when you see stuff like that happening and like cross checking is definitely not a penalty anymore. Like you can cross check the guy as hard as you can in the back of the neck and you are don't you talking, get a penalty.
0: Are you talking about the Hyman incident? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, but Jason, but Jason Spetsa gets two minutes for tripping in in the the third on what was a very marginal call as well. Right. So it's like,
3: you know, the thing that, the thing that the Hyman situation um, near the end of the game, I mean, he was already engaged with the player in front of the net after the whistle had gone. And then he was decked from behind with a cross check. Like, I don't care if you're eight men down, that's a penalty. Yeah, yeah. That's a penalty. Like, I mean, you can't... And uh, you mentioned Dark Guy about, you know, the fight defusing a situation. The refs, by letting that cross-check go, that's going to create bad blood moving on. Like, I mean, that's the part of the game management that you got to take into place. And you know what? Montreal, if you don't want to get scored on the power play to even things up late in the game, don't cross-check the guy after the whistle had well blown and he's already being pushed aside and thrown in front of the net anyways, but the Leafs attention to detail back to my original point, definitely suffered after Mm. the Tavares incident. Um, Even just the passing wasn't crisp. Uh, They seemed to be just a step behind at times uh, in in the play. Um, And that second goal, um, realistically, like, uh, I don't know if Campbell had it, would have another opportunity to play that goal. Whether he not try to poke check it away, because if you look at how that play and that goal was scored, the puck deflected off the goal stick and went over the left shoulder. He doesn't make the poke check. If he just squares up to the puck, it hits him in the chin. But as he reached out with the poke check, he dips. It deflects off the stick, goes over the shoulder. You know it's it's a bang bang play. You gotta make the call. And it's funny because they didn't show it at first, but when they went back to the replay, he actually came out of the net to clear a stick.
2: Yeah, in the first you know, goal. In front of the crease. Yep, got yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, the, the problem with a poke check, and, and Clarky, I think you're gonna probably agree with me on this, is when you're a goaltender, if you're going to if you're going to poke check, you have to make that decision early, you have to commit to it, and you have to be aggressive. You go through back the history of hockey. You watch every single scenario where a goalie half poke checked or half hesitated. It usually ends up in the back of the net.
2: I think you that was a po- tough
1: check, one. You yeah. You need to make that commitment and do it.
2: I just thought it was a tough one to read because he got he, he got tripped and he was down on his knees and it's like it's that moment of oh like do I go for it or not? It was tough. I don't think you can blame Jack. I think he'll be in net again. Game two.
1: I oh, yeah. Not- not blaming jack Not i'm not blaming jack at all i'm just saying it for for from a goaltender's perspective in that yeah. scenario you either have to commit to the decision and go for it or not
2: yeah, yeah the for leafs sure. have to leafs have to find a way to to fight through more checks cuz they're getting hit every time they touch the puck and 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 3 or 4 seconds after they pass the puck they're getting hit um they have to find a way to fight through that and we said this against Columbus last year they got to find a way to score goals like, where's the, where's the offense? Like, let's go. It's time to get, it's time to show up boys. That's all I can say.
0: Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where, um, and again, I, I, you know, I guess we'll, you know, talk a little more about the, the game now. And obviously we, we wish John Tavares the very best and, and, and hope that he's going to be okay. I mean, I think that situation's a little bigger than hockey and uh, we yeah. just definitely hope that John is, um, is going to be okay. So um, yeah, let, let's dive into the game and I, I agree with you, Clarkie uh, the Leafs. Um, yeah. <laughs> your captain goes, you're clearly going to be rattled after a freak injury like that. It, it's just, it's just awful, but yeah, I, I saw a lot of similarities in this game to some of those games against Columbus in the play in last year where a team that, is not as talented as them, does not have the offensive firepower like they do, managed to grind away and keep them to the outside. The Leafs do not go to the net hard enough. It is the playoffs. You cannot be fancy like you were in the regular season. You got to put the nose on the grindstone a little more and go right into Carey Price's kitchen. Uh, Even even when they pulled Jack Campbell and they were six on four, they were taking shots from the point and there was nobody in front of Carey Price. He had a clean look at three shots from 45 feet out. You're six on four on a power play. There's nobody in front of this guy. Like, what are you doing guys? Come on. I, I, I want, I want the Leafs to do well. I, it would be great for the game. It'd be great for Leafs nation. Our buddy dark guy here. I, I, I already saw my team win a championship. I'd love for you guys to experience it too. It's not going to happen if these guys that make millions of dollars and are the top players don't start to adjust their game a little bit to what it takes in the playoffs, I screamed what? for a decade about Ovechkin doing it. They finally did. they figured it out. Why can't these guys
2: do it? Six well, it took you, it took him a decade, as you said. Hopefully, they can figure it out sooner.
0: Well, yeah. Well, well, I mean, it wasn't his fault, but still, you're you're looking at a bunch of guys that all have to buy into sacrificing a little more, and you're down a goal, winnable game, six on four, and no one's screening one of the best goalies in the league. Carey Price had some up and down years, but this is what the Leafs feared. Carey Price looking like this, and he can do that when he's healthy. And he stopped 35 shots. And some of the ones at the end, when the Leafs were desperate to tie it, were some of the easiest saves he made all night. And that just cannot happen. Dark
1: guy, go ahead. Well, right. The frustrating part of what you're just saying here too, is, you know, you think back to our conversation on, on Monday where, Basically, you know, I outlined how Montreal was going to play Toronto. They're going to grind them. They're going to hit them. They're going to try and get the puck deep. Like, you and I know that. You know, the, the average Joe Hockey person can see that. How, how do the Leafs not? How do, how do Sheldon Keefe not? How did they not be prepared for how Montreal was going to play them? And, and how do you not know how to combat that at the NHL level now, mm. i'm I'm not jumping off the ship here i'm I'm just frustrated we're doing this right mm. after a loss and and uh, yeah. it's it's tough to work through everything right now but how how is it possible that you and I were able to talk about it and and nail the Montreal game plan then watch the game unfold Montreal does exactly what you and I said were gonna happen and and they don't have an answer for it like that's that's what for me is very frustrating. And you look at the last 45 seconds of the game. Okay. I get, I get, they called the timeout that guys were out there for a long time, but three, maybe four times in a row, they tried to lob the puck into the zone and just gave away possession with, with 45 seconds left. Like you killed, you killed the last minute of the game for it. If you're tired, get off the ice. Like,
0: yeah, it, it that's a, a, an aspect of it too, Clarkie. And Steve, I'd love your thoughts on that part of it as well, is that you're, you're not screening Carey Price, and then you're on that six-on-four power play, and you're, you're dumping the puck in? Like, you're playing dump and chase with a team with Matthews and Nylander and Marner and Hyman. And Riley. By the way, Riley Hyman and Matthews played the last four minutes and eighteen seconds of the game. They did not leave the yeah. ice. So, like, yeah, there's there, there's no there's no excuses here to be made of of you know, oh well, they didn't have their best guys out. They didn't have enough opportunities to have their best guys make an impact. Yes, they did. And yet, Matthews hit that post early, and that's going to happen. This is the playoffs. You no, know, absolutely. You got to overcome stuff like that. And that last minute, 45 seconds to a minute of the game, I, 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 as not even a Leafs fan, I felt so frustrated by it. I I, just could not believe their mindset and how they tried to attack or not attack the Montreal net. I
2: I think it goes back further than that. I think the whole game, they, they got to start playing desperate hockey, right? Like this is playoff hockey and every shift counts. And there's, there's some question marks that I have, like, I don't like with, with the guys they dressed tonight with, um, with, with, uh, Nash in the lineup tonight, why does Marner have to play so many penalty kill minutes? I don't know. Like they have other guys who can kill penalties. He played 27 minutes and 23 seconds tonight. That's a lot. And I'd rather have him fresh out there to score goals and to set up Matthews than on the P on the PK. Um, I, and I think Galchenyuk should be in the lineup. I think he's a tough son of a gun. Um, and I think he agitates his opponents. I think he has something to prove against the Montreal Canadiens. And I hope he draws in. Now, someone's probably going to have to come in for Tavares. We'll see who that would be. But I would I would get Galchenyuk in there. I think he brings a lot of energy to the team. And I think they need that. But they need to play more desperate. Like, even before, jo- like, I know it was, the you know, in the first couple of minutes when Tavares got hit. But it wasn't a very good start. Like, it wasn't like they, they didn't start on fire and, and really uh, have many chances. So they got to play better. There's no question about it. Absolutely, Steve.
0: Well, this is where the mental
3: part of the game really has to come in, right? This is a game you've got to forget about it and put it in the back of your mind and let it go and come out hard in game number two. I mean, I'm not saying don't forget about your mistakes. Don't adjust to your mistakes. But at the same time, You gotta say, okay, that was a whitewash. We lost that game. It's over. Now we're back into game two.
2: Here's my problem with that though, Steve. And Dark guy, I want your opinion on it too. Every loss that this team takes in the playoffs has to be another reminder of the failures they've had. And that in itself is a mental block that they have to get over. You're absolutely right. They gotta get over that. Because as a fan, as a fan, I'm watching the game, I go, here we go again. Like
0: yeah, you're expecting something bad to happen. I yeah. know what that's like. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And the team probably thinks the same thing, but that was a great point, Steve. I agree. They got to put it a um, They got to put it behind them, but they got to put just more than game one behind them. They got to They got to know that they are a better team than the Montreal Canadiens And I think they are, they should win. They got to get over that. though.
1: Well, and I, 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 I agree. You gotta, you gotta have a short memory, especially in the playoffs. Uh, but 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 i think you know what part of part of the slow start and, and everything might have been believing too much that they were the better team that, that maybe they were just going to go in win win the game uh, uh, of, of skill alone and where they should know better by now and and Keith should have had that well well out of their minds before the puck ever dropped but that lackadaisical start that lack of urgency that has got to change. So yeah, you you need to you need to have a short memory, but you need to realize that, yeah, we, we lost another game that we probably could have and should have won with a little bit of a better effort. So it, it's it's a fine line, but yeah, you need that short memory. hit the reset button. Saturday is a new game. Uh, you go out, you win you you dominate that game and it's a it's a t- different series. You go out, you win that game four one, five two. It's a different series that changes the momentum. So uh, while while we're upset, and it's easy for Leafs fans to be upset right now, uh, seven game series is a seven game series for a reason. So.
0: It absolutely is, and I mean the, the old adage. I've I've been lucky to have a couple relatives be involved around the NHL and play in the NHL, and uh, they've both said to me on numerous occasions, "You can't toe drag your way to a Stanley Cup. Uh, they yeah. they got to get a little bit more away." And Dark Eye, you and I've been friends a long time. We've talked about this. Every year, it seems they got to get a little bit more away from the fancy and a little bit more into the nasty stuff. And uh, really, at the end of the day, this series is, is going to turn Montreal's way if Toronto does not get in the face of Carey Price.
2: So, I just are, hope that, I just hope quickly, just to wrap up, that the Leafs are as mad as the fans are tonight and they uh, they come out with a little bit uh, more desperation next year.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would agree. Uh, qu- quickly as well, uh, we'll just mention we haven't heard any official word on another unfortunate thing that happened in the playoffs. Nazim Kadri, a former Leaf, again, getting himself in an awful lot of trouble. Like he is going to get the book thrown at him for a, a vicious head pick on Justin Falk, who was knocked out cold as well. Yeah. And Colorado, of course, turning around and winning. Still no uh, decision as of recording this from knock anybody. From the Department of Player Safety uh, on Nazim Kadri, but he is going to get five or more games for what he oh, did yeah. to Justin Falk. So, um, yeah, un- unfortunately, we don't want to be talking about injuries and stuff in, in the playoffs. It's hockey, it's sports. We, we know what happens, but un- unfortunately, uh, those headlines have kind of dominated the latter part of the first week of the playoffs. So, ho- hopefully that turns. And again, uh, prayers up to John Tavares. We really hope that he is well. Thanks to our buddy, Dark Eye Jason. We appreciate this, buddy, and I'm really hoping for better things. Things for you on saturday my friend
2: we'll be okay buddy we'll be
0: okay
1: absolutely we're looking forward to a big w on saturday it's a long series
0: yeah absolutely i hope so for you as well my friend all right we'll take a quick break here on mwo sports and when we come back steve and i will sit down and chat with local athlete and core player on the softball canada men's national team tyler polly will join us next here on mwo sports brought to you by coolbet.co this is
1: mwo sports
0: Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports. Ryan Drury alongside Steve Sabrin. And once again, we're very pleased to be joined by a great special guest, a returning special guest and friend of the show, former Mitchell Hawk and current softball Canada national team player, Tyler Pauli. How are you, Tyler?
4: I'm good, thanks. How are you guys?
0: We're doing well, man. We're excited that... Sports are mostly back. I mean, we can't play them here in Ontario yet, but uh, some good news today in terms of what we could potentially see in June and July. But let's talk about the announcement in recent weeks here that you are among the core players on the men's national team named by Softball Canada. So first of all, congratulations and uh, just take us through how you feel and, uh, you know, all the progress that you've made uh, impressively with the national team over the last couple of years.
4: Well first of all, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, I think uh, a lot of people, especially uh, those looking in from the outside, don't necessarily understand, you know, all of the effort that has to go in to be at this high level, Um, you know, and and I think that goes not only with our sport, but with, um, you know, on the female side of things as well. Uh, In terms of my own progress, you know, obviously the last couple of years have been extra tough on us, Uh, not only myself, but on everybody. Um, obviously, far far beyond sports, but um, you know, just within sports in particular, it's been tough. Um, in terms of my journey, the last couple of years, so ever since 2019 in Prague, when I was on the national team for the first time, the senior national team, the last couple of years has been sort of really crazy. I mean, there's sometimes we're allowed to do some things, sometimes we're not. The last couple of years have been a lot of hitting off of the tee training by myself, throwing into a net. So it's uh, it's quite exciting getting some news that we uh, could potentially soon be able to play catch with somebody else and throw and hit at a ball diamond with other adults. So that might be, uh, might be fun in the near future.
3: Yeah, you mentioned that experience in Prague uh, and that was quite a run for Canada, of course, earning the bronze medal uh, in that tournament. Um, tell us a little bit about how that experience, um, I guess, gave you a platform to continue what you're doing. What did you learn from that experience to move forward?
4: Well, I'm glad you asked that question because, um, I've been asked that before. And I think from the perspective of being the young guy on the team, the last go around and, uh, actually this time too, so far, we still have a few more spots to go, but, uh, being the young guy and being around a lot of guys who have uh, been in the game for a long time at a high level, uh, I learned so much from them that I couldn't have even imagined before. And things that I don't even know if uh, I could easily explain. You know, things such as uh, picking up things and tendencies from other players, other teams, other pitchers. But uh, one of the things that stands out to me the most in terms of you know what I learned in general is that I thought that I cared so much about the sport and about the game uh, until i saw the reactions of the players when we lost against argentina and then i saw you know a couple of the older guys uh who i knew it was going to be their last go malali and ellsworth and uh you know a couple of the other guys who really wanted to win that one uh i could see the emotion and how much it meant to them and it really sort of opened my eyes to oh my goodness like i i thought i cared a lot you know and then these guys are are getting emotional about these things. And I thought this is, you know, I want to get there at some point. And it was further motivation for me to work even harder, you know, cause I don't want to experience that, that feeling of loss again.
0: Tyler, I wonder, I mean, you mentioned obviously how challenging it's been. Yeah. Obviously for everybody, the world got turned upside down the last year plus, but I mean, sports, especially uh, sports that aren't, you know, pro leagues like major league baseball and the NHL. I mean, There hasn't been sports, so it's been awful difficult. Now, you being the high-level athlete that you are, that's extremely difficult too. I mean, how much interaction have you been able to have with the coaches, the management side at Softball Canada with the national team? Has it been like a lot of Zoom stuff? How often are you checking in? And also, how have you been able to keep yourself Mentally sharp, if at all, during this time, because, like you said, you're hitting off a tee. You're you're training by yourself. What type of mentality do you wake up with every day to kind of keep yourself in that high end athlete mentality?
4: Yeah. So I think uh, in terms of interacting with players and coaches, there hasn't been too much, just because there's been a lot of uncertainty in terms of when we can even start, uh, when we can get together. So there hasn't been a lot on that front. Uh, But fortunately, we uh, we live in an era where we can communicate with players all across the country fairly easily. So, um, you know, I've been in touch and I've been in contact with a lot of the the fellow uh, members on the team and, you know, friends of of mine who play the game. I um, I've been in contact with them quite a bit who have helped me out along the way. Um, You know, it's in terms of my mentality you know, some might think that it's tough, especially in the last couple of years. But for me, it's been pretty easy, actually, to stay mentally sharp, just because of how we lost the first go around in Prague. Um, You know, that's been on my mind the whole time. And uh, that's been driving my motivation. And it will continue to drive my motivation until we can we can get another crack at it.
3: You know, it's interesting, too, because when you look at other places around the world um, that have been able to you know, start sports again, New Zealand and Australia are, are good examples. Um, is that going to play a factor in any in upcoming international tournaments? Uh, I know the, the men's world were scheduled for February of 2022 and New Zealand doesn't get a lot of time for Canada to get ready as a team.
4: Yeah, I think, uh, there are some opportunities this in this summer to, uh, you know, go play in other areas. And I think there are still some opportunities on the table, depending on, uh, you know, how things go in, in the province, for instance, of us playing at a higher level against high other high level players in this area. Um, you know, obviously that's, uh, quite optimistic. And of course we realize, you know, um, our backs might be up against the wall a little bit more compared to some of those, those other top countries that have been playing and have been able to play in practice. But um, you know what? There's there's always something that we can work on, whether we're with the team or whether or, or whether we're by ourselves. And I think that um, you know, just being able to communicate with each other, and uh, as long as we can get together uh, a couple of times beforehand, I think we'll be okay. Because as long as we're doing our own thing, uh, once we get together, uh, we meshed and we gelled so well when we were in Prague, and most of the guys are coming back, so uh, I don't see that being being much of an issue. I mean, obviously it's it'd be quite a luxury to be able to play year round every day with these guys. But, uh, you know, obviously we can't do that. So uh, we do what we can. And I think we're used to that sort of, uh, that sort of playing field. I find it interesting
3: that you were the only player from Ontario that was named to the core group. Um, But when you look at the 11 or so players that were named, it's pretty spread out across the country. Uh, Maybe a little heavier when you look at, the, the extreme east and extreme west where people are coming from
4: yeah i think there are still four spots that they're going to choose from uh, i think we're taking 16 to the uh the qualifier in argentina so i think that um you might see a couple more from ontario get on there and i sure hope so uh, there are a lot of good young ontario players coming up especially pitchers you know guys like uh, tyler randerson and greg hamill Um, You know, there are a lot of good, good young players in Ontario that I think you'll see their names on the national team in the next few years to come.
0: We're chatting with Softball Canada National Men's Team member Tyler Polley and of course a former member of the Mitchell Hawks who we had the pleasure of covering for a number of years on our PJHL broadcast at CKNX. And Tyler, obviously, you're, you're probably one of the most talented multi-sport athletes we've had the pleasure of covering at the station and on the show. Uh, and we, we know what kind of hockey player you were. I, I'm interested to ask you, you know, your mentality of, of stepping into the batter's box. Obviously, the two sports are both very intense in different ways obviously hockey offers that you know that element of physicality and and everything but but softball does in a different way and I don't care if it's baseball softball stepping into the batter's box is intimidating I mean at least I find it intimidating I mean a ball's coming at you at high speed what is the difference in mentality that you kind of set yourself up for that's different from playing hockey to when you step in the batter's box
4: well that's a really good question I think um you know, playing hockey, like you said, that's a lot of, um, you know, crashing and banging and high intensity. And then, and then when you get into the game of, of baseball or softball, it's a lot slower paced, uh, a lot more channeled energy. I think that one of the things I've learned most from playing hockey is to be able to channel my energy. Um, you know, obviously you get frustrated at times you need to be able to control your emotions. And I think that part carries over the most is, uh, you know, when you step into the batter's box, you're able to sort of, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped up and I'm ready to go, but uh, I'm able to use that in the right situation. And so there's a time and a place in hockey when you have to lay a hit or whether you take a shot on net. Uh, same sort of principles apply to, to ball. There's a time and a place where, you know, do I swing at this pitch? Do I go now? Do I steal the base now? And I think that sort of mentality is the most, is the most similar. But like you said, there are a lot of differences, too, with, in terms of the, the intensity level.
3: Well, pitching uh, definitely is a big factor. And, um, you know, how much of a, of a concern is it that you haven't been able to face live pitching in what will be practically two seasons?
4: Yeah, it's obviously uh, in the back of my mind. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure. I'm not the only one in this position, uh, that's for sure. But um, I think that. You know, obviously I mentioned earlier that there are some opportunities this summer for us to play and face some good pitching. Um, and now that I think about it, last offseason, or last summer, when we weren't able to play at a very high level, I was still able to practice with my Nith River Monster team. Um, you know, we were able to get together a few times, obviously, in, in smaller quantities. And so I was able to face pitchers uh, on our team like Hamill and Randerson and Johnny Baker and uh, players like that who, who are high-level pitchers. Um, and I was able to face them on a regular basis. So in my mind, um, you know, it hasn't been two years for me. It's, it's been since last September. And so I, I fully expect to be able to do that again this summer. And, uh, and, and I feel confident that that's going to prepare me, um, you know, when we go forward with the national team.
0: Tyler, I'd like to ask you one last thing uh, before we let you go. And, and again, congratulations on being named to the core team and and uh, obviously more bright things ahead for you in, in your softball career. I want to ask you kind of a philosophical question about the game. I mean, baseball, softball, they're very similar. And I- I'd love your opinion on this. I know you're a big ball fan. And uh, we saw a bit of a a, an odd situation this week. We saw it last year when Fernando Tatis Jr. did this. Yermin Mercedes hit a home run off a 3-0 pitch off William Astadio this week, who's a position player. La Tortuga comes in. They were getting waxed by the White Sox, the Twins were. And on a 3-0 pitch, Yermin Mercedes cranked the 47 mile per hour EFAS pitch into the bleachers and his own manager, Tony La Russa came out and said that he made a mistake. He shouldn't have done that. And now there's the, uh, the waging war again between the new school baseball, old school baseball. What's your opinion on a situation like that? Like, do you think that, you know, he shouldn't have swung on a three Oh pitcher? Are you more of the mentality of, Hey, he's throwing me a pitch. I'm playing in a pro game. I can hit this.
4: Well, I think if you had asked me the same question 10 years ago, uh, I probably would have a different answer for you because I grew up, you know, around the old school mentality of, you know, you hit a home run, you put your head down and run the bases, you drop your bat, you don't flip it or anything like that. But, uh, I'm starting to come around to the fact that, you know, it's, it can't be that serious all the time. I mean, I look at someone like Trevor Bauer or CC Sabathia's comments, and I I'm starting to agree with them more and more that uh, baseball is tough. It's a difficult sport. And if pitchers are allowed to you know, pump their fists and get fired up after a strikeout, I think that, you know, hitters should be able to celebrate a little bit when they, you know, when they hit a home run. And in terms of that specific scenario with um, uh, Mercedes hitting that home run on the Heifus pitch, I think that if you're going to give up on the game and put in a position player to throw 40 miles an hour, I think that you deserve whatever is going to come after that. And I don't agree with how Tony Larusa handled it. I obviously believe that he is an old school mentality. And I think a lot of people are, but um, I'm pretty sure that if you ask people are our, our age or our generation, you nor know, in between, I think that we're starting to come around a little bit that, yeah, this is a fun game. Uh, it's good to see some emotion, but if you're wanting to throw away a game like that, I think, you know what, you deserve to have a home run hit against your team. Interesting
3: because I remember a few years ago and um, I was covering the World Men's in uh, Whitehorse, and I won't mention the teams, but it was a pretty lopsided matchup. But the one team who was the lower seed threw like their third-ranked pitcher. They didn't even send out their best to the circle which the other team took as, come on, guys, that's a little bit of an insult, right? You're not even going to challenge with your best. And sure enough, I mean, the game ended in three innings. It was quite the mercy. Um, and there was some debate about, you know, should that higher seed team have been hitting the ball that hard that much? But, you know, if, when you look at it, if, you, if you're at a high level and you're not going to challenge with – the best available option you have at the time, then yeah, you're right, Tyler. It's it's you've already given up. You, you didn't even try. So, and I know there's other dynamics in those situations because you're looking at your bullpen. How many people do you have left? You got a series, you got this, you got that, but it just seems to me there's a lot more of this putting non-pitchers in pitching situations and people saying, ah, the game's done we'll just throw this guy in for whatever reason. And, you know, that that's hurting the game in itself. It's the novelty's worn off. Mm-hmm. Use your, use your players, not to mention yeah. the guys aren't getting any work.
4: Yeah. And it's a, it's a very interesting situation because uh, I have never been one to agree with running up the score per se. I've always found that quite disrespectful, but at the same time, uh, you know, giving up on the game and 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 not and throwing away an at bat—that's just not even—that's not even on my radar. So you know, that far outweighs uh, the situation of of running up the score.
0: I agree. I, I won't offer an opinion because I completely agree with everything you guys said. I, I can't sum it up better than that. Absolutely. Hey, you're me, Mercedes. I, he showed up at the Diamond and thought he was there to hit baseballs, and he did that. So, I don't know. O- old Tony will recover, I'm I'm sure. And I, I Also, I don't know if Tony LaRusse is the best guy to necessarily comment on other people's characters, so that's a whole other story. Uh, Tyler, we really appreciate this buddy again. Congratulations. We have so much fun following your career. We're really looking forward to you and your teammates getting. Getting back on the diamond sometime this year and obviously looking forward to great international play and tournaments. Tyler, Paul, I have the softball Canada men's national team. We really appreciate this, buddy. Best of luck going forward.
4: Hey, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate it.
0: All right, we'll take a quick break here on MWO Sports. When we come back, we will chat with our wagering expert, Pat Gregoire from CoolBet.co, on some of the hot bets to make this weekend, including our buddy Corey Connors at the PGA Championship and maybe a little racing bet as well. Some action in the F1 world with the historic Monaco Grand Prix this weekend. We'll talk to Pat next here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Back to wrap things up here on MWO Sports, brought to you as always by CoolBet.co, Ryan Drury, along Steve Savern. We're pleased to be joined by our wagering expert this week, Pat Gregoire from CoolBet. Pat, how you doing, brother?
5: Doing great now that I'm back with you
0: guys. Absolutely. I know you couldn't wait all week. So uh, everybody was <laughs> happy with your picks last week and we're happy to get some more knowledge from you here. Let's start with the PGA Championship. Our buddy Corey Connors from right here in Listowel, Ontario came screaming out of the gate in round one. Very impressive play from him. Uh, who are some of the guys that you're maybe looking at at uh, potentially laying some heat down on at the PGA? I know Rory was
5: favored to win, but does Corey have a shot? Who else is in the mix? Yeah, absolutely. And right now, obviously, with Connors leading the way uh, after round one, Uh, He's actually at plus 700, and he started out at 66 uh, to 1. So if you've missed on the Corey Connors train, unfortunately there's not a ton of value there. Luckily, I was one of them. I actually have him on a ticket for a top 20 finish and then also an outright bet as well. So fingers crossed, your boy, the listable Ontario native uh, can hold on here. Um, But, uh, I mean, looking at this right now, Victor Hovland obviously in the mix as well, but not a ton of value there with him at plus 800 uh, two names that i think are really jumping out to me right now is will zalatoris uh right now 20 uh, to one he's a guy that has been one of the nice stories of the pga tour so far not even earning his card yet well he would earn his card if he won this tournament and he's a guy that flushes the ball really well uh he's accurate off the tee Uh, and he's got a very uh, solid short game, but the big thing is that iron play, being able to control your flight path, because this uh, course, Kiowa Island, it's a, a coastal course, it's a long course, but there's a lot of wind, so if you can control those irons, which that's what he can do, that's great, but, With that being said, Corey Connors, what he's doing right now is really remarkable. He's doing Corey Connors things with his irons and his driver, uh, You know, finding the fairways. He's an elite ball striker, but the thing that's really working for him right now is the flat stick. Uh, He's gaining, I think he's third in gains, uh, uh, stroke gains, I should say, sorry, uh, in his putting, which is absolutely unheard of. That's the one thing that's kind of held him back, Uh, but uh, certainly that flat stick has heaten up and hopefully he can hold on uh, and maybe go wired Wire here. Absolutely. That would
0: be fun to see. And of course, Will Zalatoris was uh, once the caddy for Happy Gilmore, if you didn't know that as well. <laughs> yeah. So he is uh, definitely in the mix. Uh, looking forward to the weekend as well. We're in the heat of NHL playoffs. They're a week old now, pretty much. And uh, man, they've been exciting. Are there any uh, key matchups or potentially scoring bets that you're looking at this weekend in hockey?
5: Well, you know what? Last week when I was on, I gave out that pick for Sidney Crosby uh, to score, and he did in their opener. Right now, uh, none of the odds are up on the board. So I'm actually going to go away from the scoring props. I'm going to go with an outright. uh, And I think the Edmonton Oilers are going to bounce back here. Uh, What we saw from them in game one, they just really didn't look like themselves. But I don't think that they played terribly, to be quite honest. And they ran into a hot goalie in Connor Hellebuck I don't think we're going to see Connor McDavid held to a goose egg once again I think this is uh, this was a wake-up call uh, they realized that uh, they need to not fall into the brand of hockey that the Winnipeg Jets want them to. So I think they're going to bounce back. I think it's still going to be a a tightly contested game, but I like the Oilers uh, at minus 102 to win in regulation. Not enough value right now on the outright money line uh, as it currently stands at minus uh, 172. So let's take them in regulation uh, and at uh, almost even money. Absolutely. Now
0: I know that there's obviously lots of baseball on basketball playoffs kicking off in the play-ins, but maybe a nice bet to lay down for the piston heads out there. Big race (laughs) this weekend, the Monaco Grand Prix. Are we sneaking into the race world a little bit here, Pat?
5: yeah, you know what? Uh, ask me maybe a year and a half ago if I would be betting F1. I'd be saying you're crazy. But after watching uh, the Netflix documentary, I am absolutely hooked on F1. And I think a lot of people are. And we're seeing that. A lot of more action on Cool Bet uh, with the F1 racing. And uh, Chris, who you guys normally talk to, uh, we had a little bit of an inside joke that's actually turned out quite profitable for myself. I said I was going to bet Lewis Hamilton on the money line to win outright every single race and I'm I, I'm in the red right now so it seems to be working for me I'm going to go it again right now he's at plus 175 I don't know how many more times this year we're going to see him at plus money so I'm going to go with that and he's a three time champ at Monaco obviously Red Bull this course really works well for them uh, but uh, I think that this is uh, an opportunity that many F1 fans aren't going to be able to get uh, because of what the season that we're seeing from Hamilton this year.
0: Well, and he's chasing down that century mark and wins something that nobody has ever done in the F one world. I, I of course cannot ever bet against my boy, Max Verstappen. He'd maybe be the second favorite to get his first ever Monaco GP, but Lewis Hamilton is Always a solid bet on the money line in any racetrack that he is at on the weekend. Pat, we really appreciate this, brother. Uh, I know that uh, you're excited about the playoffs and the Maple Leafs and all that stuff. We wish you the best there, and we always appreciate your advice from Cool Bet. Thank you for doing this, my friend.
5: No problem. Thanks for having me. It's a great time to be a sports fan right now, isn't it?
0: It certainly is. Everything is happening across multiple sports and that is the best. And that's the best time to lay some heat down over the weekend. So uh, we appreciate Pat's insight from cool Bet. We appreciate you guys listening to and watching this show. Remember we air Fridays just after six on CKNX AM 920 CKNX.ca. Follow us on social media at MWO underscore sports. Of course, on Fridays at eight Sundays at nine, we air on Whiteman TV and we debut live on YouTube Friday nights at nine as well you can also catch the show just after six live on cknx.ca as well as the radio station uh for all of us here i'm ryan drury that is steve sabrin for clarky dark guy tyler paul and of course pat gregoire that joined us on the show today we appreciate you listening to and watching mwo sports brought to you as always by coolbet.co mm-hmm.